we're all really excited around here for 2018. We've been working towards some things that everybody's excited about, Matt just shared one of those with you. I personally believe that 2018 is going to be the year that's been bigger than any other year in terms of an initiative. I mean, we've been through a lot. We've gone through a lot of initiatives, even from relocating ourselves and coming from a school to here. I think what's going to happen this year for the momentum of our church is bigger than that. Um, that's just what I think. And so <clears throat> this series that we're going to be in all of January is titled Don't Do Life Alone. That's one of our core statements. Don't do life alone. That's a big statement. It encompasses multiple things. Like, don't do life without God is certainly built into that phrase. Don't do life alone. But don't do life even without brothers and sisters who are following Jesus that are committed to helping you take steps after Jesus is part of what this whole series is all about. When Jesus came, he established a movement, a kingdom, uh, momentum, and there was an explosion of followers that began to follow him. Immediately after that, uh, believers came together in two different kinds of settings. They came together like we're coming together here in a large group where everybody doesn't know everybody. You don't know everybody. You just all come together because you all are focused on Jesus and learning and figuring out how to follow him better and you come together to be encouraged in a setting where you're talking about things that are bigger than you. But also, even in the first century church, they got together in small groups. And so we are trying to organize ourselves to be able to do that. Now, if you've been with us for many, many years, you know that we've always emphasized small groups. But... We've never gone into the initiative that we're going into from this point forward. It is our intention to initiate Group Link every January and every August to start new groups with new people. We currently have 25 groups that meet together. By the end of 2018, it is our hope that we have 50 groups that are meeting together. And so we want to talk about, well, why? Why groups? Why small groups? What's so important about that? And so that's what this whole series is about, to show each one of us and hopefully motivate us to want to be a part of what has been historically a part of the followers' pattern to grow, that is to grow together in large group and in small groups. Tonight, the topic specifically is Don't Drift. That's the title. Don't drift. There's a danger in each of us that we have this danger of drifting, and that's been true for 2,000 years. It was true with the first set of Christians in the first century, and we're going to talk about that and show some of the instruction based on some of the dangers there in a moment. Our focus for tonight reads this way. Those who do life alone will drift toward danger without knowing it. The last three words of this focus, I think, is the, the part of the focus that's most um, powerful. When you're drifting, you don't even know you're drifting. And those who do life alone will drift. And so we want to really kind of get this idea into our thinking and see how it relates to our own walk with God and how we might be motivated to be part of something 
that maybe you've never been a part of, maybe you have been a part of, you need to think, oh, maybe I need to get back to that. And so that's part of what we're talking about. Now, when we do life alone, here's a couple of phrases about drifting that take place. When we do life alone, we drift towards self-centeredness. We drift towards superficiality. We drift toward tension in relationships. We drift toward complaint and grumbling. We drift toward a chronic consumer mentality. I just want explain that a little bit. I mean, have you ever accidentally drifted toward being a servant rather than serving yourself? Yeah, me neither. That's just not what we drift towards. We don't just drift towards, oh, I oh, accidentally served you. No, that's not where we drift. We drift towards, I just kind of ignored you and I served myself, and that's where we drift toward. And so here's another set of thoughts about drifting. It seems like we tend to ignore God and drift when we go off to college. It seems like we ignore God and drift when we go on a business trip. Now why would that be? In both of those settings, you can kind of picture it. You're leaving all of the relationships that you had before, all of that built-in accountability, now you're just starting off, you can drift. And in a business trip, there's nobody who knows, nobody who sees, and you might be tempted to drift in those settings. But what about this? You may be tempted to drift when you have a string of bad luck. And here's what's really weird. You may be tempted to drift when you have a string of good luck. So we've got to be honest with ourselves. We recognize that there's a powerful pull and a drifting tendency. Now, I told you a little bit about the first century church. They men in large groups and small groups because they recognize this danger and this need. So we're going to be jumping into the book of Hebrews tonight, the little the document that is first century document that is tucked away in the tail towards the end of the New Testament. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter three, we're gonna be there. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the chair Bible in front of you. If you don't have an easy to read Bible, and this one's kind of a easier to read than the one you have with old English or something, uh, I would let you, I actually encourage you to take this Bible with you if you don't have one, and write your name in it, make it your Bible. We'd love for you to continue taking a look at the Bible. A little bit about Hebrews. Hebrews as a document is a really tough document for most of us if we haven't um, become really familiar with the entire Bible because Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. Hebrews was written to the Jewish community who out of that Jewish community, they began to follow Jesus in the new covenant and Hebrews explains how the new covenant is a fulfillment of the old covenant which was all the law and all the explanation of what it meant to follow Judaism. So Hebrews is explaining, now that we are following Jesus, we no longer do this. And it's a lot of explanation about the massive changes that Jesus initiated when he pointed to himself as a fulfillment of the entire old covenant and that he established a new covenant with God in his blood. We just celebrated that together in communion. Jesus was the one that said, now there's a new covenant. Here's how the new covenant works. Hebrews explains all of that. So here's what's happening in the first century. There was hundreds and thousands of people rapidly becoming followers of Jesus because the story got out that this crucified Messiah raised from the dead and all these people saw him and are talking about him. And so this movement exploded into growth. But over the course of time, their Jewishness 
began to clamp down upon them, their family members, their fellow workers, and the culture around them that was starting to feel more and more hostile towards this new movement, began to make it more difficult for them to just express themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. And so there was sort of a drifting that was a temptation for all of them to pull back from following Jesus and settle back into their old cultural traditions as Jewish believers, okay? So that temptation for them to drift was massive. So if you take a look at the book of Hebrews, a lot of it is an in-your-face kind of teaching about how you've got to be careful or you'll find yourself cut off from God the way some of our forefathers were when they're wandering in the wilderness. And that's kind of the front end of chapter 3. All right, so we're going to be jumping into chapter 3, verse 12. We're only looking at 12, 13, and 14, just a few verses tonight. But I want us to see what's here, and I think you'll be... Uh, seeing it in a way that maybe you haven't before, because I've read this before, and I, go, I, I totally missed what it was saying. I just read it and read it and read it. Uh, first, I'll read it for you and tell you how I used to think it would explain itself, but I was wrong. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. So I'm just going to read that and move along, thinking, yeah, I've got to make sure that I don't have an unbelieving heart. That is not what that's saying. Look at it again. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It does, it's not telling me to see to it that I don't have an unbelieving heart. What is it saying? I highlighted the first three words on purpose because in the English, it's very difficult to see this. In the English, this three words is a translation of one word. And the one word is a verb. And the verb has built into it who it's... Um, is this plural or is this singular? And I just want you to know, this is an all-skate verb. <laughs> this is plural. And we can't see it in English, but if we were to try to translate it out in English, we'd have to go southern. Y'all, y'all, <laughs> see to it now, okay? <laughs> just so you can see it. Uh, that this is a plural command. So it's an all-skate command to all of us. And then you think, okay, all of us should make sure that we don't have an unbelieving heart. No, 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 no. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying all of us should make sure and look into our heart and make sure it's not an unbelieving heart. No, no, no. This is saying make sure, brothers and sisters, all of you, that none of you, that's the part we miss, has a sinful and unbelieving heart. And if we look at it singular, we say, okay, so that's the preacher's job. The preacher's supposed to know everybody and make sure that nobody strays and nobody has an unbelieving heart. And, oh, well, you're troubled. Let me see what you're doing. How can I help you? No, this is an all-skate command telling all of us that we have a responsibility to see to one another and to have one another see to us to make sure that you don't have an unbelieving heart and you make sure that I don't have an unbelieving heart that is in danger of turning away. But then that leads to huge questions. How in the world do you do that? So we're going to begin with point number one. What this command is about is watch out for one another. That's what this verse is talking about. It wasn't just saying, see to it that you don't have an unbelieving heart. It says, see to it that none of you has an unbelieving heart. Okay? So it's a see to one another kind of command. But here's the trouble with that. Let's bring the verse again as we take a look at it. Here's the trouble with that. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. 
Here's what the scripture says. We do not have the ability to look into the heart of man. Scripture says only God can see into the heart of us and know what's going on inside. We, so we gotta be very careful. If you see a behavior, be careful not to judge motive because we don't have the ability to judge motive based on behavior. Only God can see into heart and see motive and see what's really going on on the inside. There's an exception, however. When people start talking about motive, guess what just happened? When people start talking about what they believe, what they think, what's, what their motive is, what's going on on the inside, they just open themselves up to you so that you could take a peek and see within them. Okay? Now, if you think of it that way, when it says, see to it, everybody, brothers and sisters, all of you, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, we're supposed to get to know each other to such a degree that we get glimpses inside and so that we can make sure we can see what's going on and that we can tell what the condition of the heart is so that we don't turn away. All right, now we have another problem. How do we do that in a large group setting? How do we do that in here? We don't know each other here. And so nobody's talking, nobody exposed any part of what they think or what they believe or the condition of their heart or how they're doing in this setting. And so that's why from the first century on, there's an emphasis on not just the large group of worship, but doing life together in small groups. So I wanna make this really, really pointed and really clear. So the meaning and application that we've talked about so far, here it is. You need to be watching out for each other you also need to look to each other to watch out for you. If you don't have a life together group where you're watching out for a few that you're getting to know and trust and they're watching out for you as they're getting to know you and trust you or care for you, then you're not quite experiencing what the New Testament describes as an important component for being able to walk and follow Jesus without drifting. I hope you caught that, because this is really significant, okay? So, there's more to notice in this verse than that. Let's take a look again at the next here. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away, okay? So when I'm reading too quickly, and I'm thinking about how each of us have a danger of drift, here's how I typically think of drift, okay? Imagine there's this huge current, this river that I'm standing in, okay? It's rushing against me, and it's just, if I'm on an inner tube, I just kind of float and drift with the current. Think of that current as our culture, what our culture believes, all the things that our culture believes about life and what makes us happy and what, what's a good way to live, that's a current that's rushing against us. But Jesus stepped against that current and he says, come follow me. And so we have to be really careful because we can't do this alone. Don't do life alone trying to follow Jesus against the cultural current that's so powerful against us, right? Because if you try to do this alone, you're gonna drift with the culture. Now here's the deal though. That is an external pressure that's causing our drift. 
okay? Another external pressure that I think of drifting is, okay, let's just think sailboats. We're in a sailboat. We're going to go this way, but the wind is blowing that way, and so we have to really set our sails and, and dig, dig in and know a bit about sailing, which I don't, so I can't even talk about it. Dig in, know what to do with sailing, so we can go that way, even the wind is going this way, right? So you have to know sailing to not drift in the wrong direction. Both of those examples, though, are not good pictures for what's at the heart of the problem in this verse. In this verse, where's the heart of the problem? The heart of the problem is our own heart. The heart of the problem is inside of us. What's causing the drift? A sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away. Drifting always begins on the inside of ourselves. So that's why we need a small group to help us to identify how drifting starts on the inside of ourselves. So, Point number two, if you like to take notes, here are the blanks. Encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Now here we are in a weekly meeting. And each of our small groups, as we set them up, you'll discover is also, also set up as a structured weekly small group meeting. But it's different. Because in that meeting, you start to get to know each other so that hopefully you can get to a place where you're encouraging one another outside of the structured group time. So let's keep reading in the next verse. Here we got Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, these are commands. How are we doing with this? Do you have somebody that you are close enough that you feel comfortable encouraging each other daily? So this is more than acquaintance, isn't it? This walking with somebody together towards Jesus or following in his steps and becoming a Jesus follower is not a solo endeavor. It's something that we need one another for to do well that we could encourage one another. Now, here's something else that's hard for us to see. Because we Americans think of the word encouragement in one particular way. And the word that this is translated from, let's go back to the other one for a second. The one that this is translated from, encourage, is a word that's bigger than, it doesn't just simply mean the way in America we say, oh, you're looking good. Oh, nice hat. That shirt looks really good on you. Well, you did a great job. Now, all of these statements we consider as encouragement. They're warm. They're kind. They're fuzzy. They kind of make us feel good and prop us up. But what value is that if we're drifting? Okay? Encourage one another daily is the antidote to drifting aside. Now, here's the Greek word. The Greek word is the word parakaleo. It means to come alongside of. Now here's what's interesting about it. The Holy Spirit is called in the noun form the paraclete. The one who comes alongside of us, props us up, helps us, walks with us, even dwells in us, okay? The paraclete is doing this ministry of encouragement. The word 
Parakaleo in a verb form is much larger than, oh, good job, you look good, what a nice, you know, hairdo or whatever. We just encourage, 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 feel good, feel good, prop up, prop up. No, 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 no. This has a larger kind of encouragement possibility where you might even say, nuh-uh, that's not right. Because somebody exposed something inside of them that you know them well enough and they trust you enough and they care for you and you care for them. You've showed enough um, care and living life together enough that you're the right one, qualified to say, you're off there. It even has built within it a counselor. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, our helper. And so now we can enter into that do life together where we become a helper, a kind of a sounding board to say, no, you're kind of off there. So now let's take a look at another aspect, the tail end of this verse, highlighting the last phrase, sin's deceitfulness. The thing that causes us to drift is sin's deceitfulness. That is a wild phrase. Because what do you think of sin? You think of sin as, oops, I blew it, right? But now it's talking about sin as something that lies to you. It's personified as if it's a being that lies to you and it's inside of an unbelieving heart. Think of this now. Sin is a power that lies to you so that you, here's what's really scary, you are deceived. And so as you expose something that you're, you're kind of thinking or believing in a group setting, this is why some people are afraid of group settings. Uh, I'm afraid that I don't know anything about the Bible and I'll just show how ignorant and I, uh, I don't know how to look up the verses. <laughs> Let that go. Let that go. We, all, we can give page numbers. We can sit next to each other and help you find verses. We all start somewhere. We're all ignorant compared to Jesus, okay? And we start somewhere and grow together. And what we're doing is doing life together. We commit to one another. We commit to helping each other follow Jesus. Now, in that process, let's just say, I'm just using an example. Let's just say that a, a gal and another gal are getting closer and closer, and then one gal says, oh man, I'm just so fat. And the other guy, gal says, what? You're crazy. You like, already look like a coat hanger. You know, you are not fat. Come on, girl. Are you bulimic? All right. Now, this person is actually, although they don't sound that encouraging, they are now encouraging one another. This girl has a tendency to be deceived by something in her psyche that when she looks in the mirror, she thinks she's fat, even though everybody else looks at her and thinks she's got nothing but skin and bones. She's got a thought process that has deceived her for whatever reason, okay? That's just one example. Every one of us believe things, think things. Here's the scary part. When we are deceived, we do not know it. So it's so important that we have people that care about us that when they start to see something that we expose to them as we share what we believe or what we think and it's a little bit off, and we don't know it's off, that somebody we have gotten to know and love and trust and kind of build a relationship bond with can say, wait, that's not right. I care for you. I care for you, girl. You are not fat. We gotta, we gotta talk about this, right? So that's just an example. 
But there's so many in all of our lives. We do things the way we do things because our self-talk reflects a belief that is off. It may have come from what our parents said to us. It may have come from the world. It may have come from ourselves. And we tell ourselves things that are not right. So here's the beautiful thing about it. In a small group setting, as we start to open up a little bit, share our lives with one another. Now here's what, small group is not about this. Okay, let me just share it with you. You're not gonna sign up for group link in a group and say, okay, everybody, throw up on each other and tell all your <laughs> most dirty, horrible events in your life that you've ever committed because this is small group and everybody's gotta get real. No, 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 no. We'll all run away from that, okay? <laughs> this is like coming from zero to 60 as you develop a relationship that, that kind of comes together. So as you share something and somebody shares something, you, and you kind of connect with somebody. It's like God is kind of stirring up something in you and stirring up something in somebody else, and you're kind of feeling a, a coming together where it's no longer acquaintance, now you're really a friend, and now you're kind of testing that out. Hey, you wanna to go to coffee? And you start talking, it's like, you just, it's just great. And you feel like you're sharing life and doing life, and now you're checking up on each other, and now it moves to, Man, you're talking to each other between groups with regularity, and pretty soon it, it almost is an everyday friend as opposed to a structured friend that you see on Sunday. Okay? See the difference? That's where it can go. It's not going to go that way with everybody, and, but it can go that way as we begin to come together intentionally to commit to each other to help each other take steps to follow Jesus. And that's what small groups are all about, to impact that whole thing about sin's deceitfulness. So point number three is this. The best defense against self-deceit is not me, but we. The best defense against self-deceit is not me, but we. Now, to be honest, I need to let you know that God has given us multiple prescriptions one prescription is, hey, you need to be a student of the word. And James tells us that the word is like a mirror. And as you look into the word of God, it's like a mirror that says, oh, look at yourself. This is you. It's describing you and your pride, and this is what's going on with you. You go, oh, right, I need to work on that. God, help me. I confess that I'm that way. And it works that way. But here's the deal. God goes with a prescription that goes deeper than that because even with the mirror, we can deceive ourselves. And so he gives us a deeper prescription. I want to look at the whole verse so we can see this. Uh, now, uh, verse 12 and 13, let's read this together. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So here's another prescription that's built into the scriptures that we need to hear from God. Here's the prescription on the screen. A small group of believing brothers and or sisters who are committed to helping each other follow Jesus is one of God's most potent prescriptions against the deceitfulness of sin. If your only experience in following Jesus is just you and God and reading the Bible, you and God and worshiping on your solo endeavor, you and God in prayer, you and God, you and God, and your only other experience is you and church and the whole large group. 
but you don't have brothers and sisters in a interrelated, encourage one another group. You are missing out on the most potent prescription that exposes self-deceit, okay? This is what this section is teaching us. Hebrews 3.14 then follows up this way. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, okay? So we sign up, oh man, Jesus, you died for me so that I could be forgiven and you've given me your righteousness and taken my sins away. Good deal, I'm in. And we start following Jesus, right? And then you and I have seen this. And people get all excited, they come to church, they come weeks and weeks, and then they drift away. This is describing that in the first century. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Now the external forces are involved too, and the external forces are working with your internal tendency to drift. Ooh, this is danger. If you don't have a small group, you will drift. Now I don't even need to talk about theology of where that person, where they're a Christian to begin with, when they didn't stand firm to the end. Let's not even talk about that. We know the reality of what we see over and over again. I see people, sometimes they come for 15 years. And they seem like they're really alive. And then they drift off. And then they're doing things you'd never, ever, they never thought they would ever do. They totally turn their backs on Jesus. They're going with the current, going all away. Everything falling down over themselves, sinning, and they would say, I would never believe that was even possible for me, if you really asked them. But they're far from God, and they think they can never come back. It's not true, but that's where they're living. That's the danger, and the solution is this. We've been talking about the solution in multiple ways. Let's just put it right clearly in front of us. You need to be watching out for each other. You also need to look to each other to watch out for you. A small group of believing brothers and sisters who are committed to helping each other follow Jesus is one of the God's most potent prescriptions against the deceitfulness of sin. Okay? So I'll just ask you a question. Do you have a group of brothers and sisters to meet with, to get to know, to get to the place where there's somebody over time that you have given permission to say, how are you doing really? How are you doing really? Now listen, if somebody says that to me, and, and like I barely know them, it's kind of like, how dare you ask that? You're not qualified to ask me how I'm doing really. I'm not gonna share that with you. I mean, I'm not really that crass. I don't really say that. But inside, I'm thinking that, right? You don't want somebody that you barely know to ask you, how are you doing really? It's like, no, you have to earn that right where you've given them access and they've given you access. You've kind of bound together and now you're committing to each other and now you actually appreciate that you can do that for each other, okay? Here's another thing. Why is it small group is so important? What if I, I just said, you know what? My lovely wife, Gina, and I, just her and I, we've got our group. That's all I need, just my wife and me. We've got a group. I meet a lot of people. That's the way they think. That's all I need. I don't need others. Just need one or two. Let me just speak for me. I need a brother who understands 
my stuff. Who can speak into my stuff as an objective person. Because some of my stuff might be even sin's deceitfulness in the family system. And he says, dude, you're her husband. What are you thinking? That's stupid. It's like, right? (laughs) A brother can say that and go, oh, man, yeah, you're right. Right? So meeting together in, in, in a, with brothers is, is a larger, bigger thing, and having multiple people, brothers and sisters, is opening your life up in a way that's really, really helpful. So I want to finish with, a, I wish this video was one that we produced that looks a little bit more like us, but we will get to there someday, hopefully. Right now we're showing this video, which other churches use this group link idea, but we're gonna use this group link idea. So here it is in video form. I want you to look at it and be processing and thinking about, do I want to get to place where I am uh, walking together with somebody and the possibility of growing closer and closer and, and exposing a little bit of the inside of me so that people can know me and I can know them and we can see where that goes. Here's Group Link. You're ready to step out of your row and into a circle because you want to pursue healthy relationships and spiritual growth. It's time to go to Group Link. There's something about meeting people face to face, making that initial connection, that makes Group the place where people can experience accountability, belonging, and care where people can connect and grow. That's why there's GroupLink, an event where you'll meet people in your stage of life and area of town, form a group, and get to know each other a little bit. There's only two things you need to know when you show up, what area of town you'd like your group to meet in and which nights of the week you're available. From the time you show up to the time you leave, there will be a team of staff and volunteers to walk you through every step of the night. If you want us to, we'll even break the ice and help you make some connections. The only thing you need to do is come ready to introduce yourself to some new people. If this makes you a little uncomfortable, just remember, everybody at GroupLink is there doing the same thing. One more note, trust God. He's the one who forms the groups. You never know who he may want to use to grow you or who he may want to grow through your influence. Come to GroupLink and join a group. Life is better connected. Now, here's what I know about you. Some of you see that video and go, man, that sounds like great. I want to sign up. And others go, nuh-uh. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Oh, man, are you kidding me? I'm so scared. It's like, you mean cold turkey talk to other people when I don't even know them? It's like, oh, a group setting. Ah. Okay, if you're that second person, you're just like me. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm like an introvert. I'm, I'm comfortable in front of a large group, but out there in the hallway, it's like, huh. Uh, you know my name and I don't know your name and I have that awkward look in my face like I don't know what to say next what is your name again and and everybody walks away thinking like I don't think he likes me it's like no that's not at all I'm just this awkward social introvert that's like and I get in the groups like okay I'm really glad I'm married to somebody like Gina it's like I feel comfortable now go talk honey you know what to say next I'll just kind of hang out with you so if you're like me, you know, I'm sorry that that's such a thing for you, but GroupLink, we're going to do our best to try to make it comfortable, easier to interact with. And you're going to choose the kind of people that just by looking, it's like, they look nice, I'm going to talk to them. And then, and then it's like, that's not working out. You, I need another cup of coffee and walk and get, I, get, I need a piece of cake. Okay, then come back and find somebody else. And you just pretty soon you find somebody, oh, this conversation will go well. And you hang out a little bit. And then go, let's go find somebody. Now together, 
hopefully you find somebody that talks better than you and, and talk to somebody else. And eventually you come in this group. Now, when you're in this group, you're not committed to anything yet at all. You're going to form a group that night that is like this experiment for eight weeks. It's a try it before you buy it group. It's kind of cool. So for eight weeks, you just get together for eight weeks to see if this is going to work. And if it's kind of like, in those eight weeks, you're going to hear everybody's story and get to know each other quite a bit. Just in that first eight weeks, you're just kind of telling about yourself. and they're telling, Everybody has a turn, and it's going to be structured, so it's easy, and you kind of know how to do it. And at the end, if it's like, hmm, that was a good experience. I'd like to continue this, then you're given that opportunity. But if at the end you go, I'm not like these people, you just go, I'm out. You don't even have to say it. Uh, no, I'm not ready for this commitment. And then you wait for the next group link, right? And there are other groups besides group link groups, okay, that they're always open. But group link groups, once you get started, you have a duration of time, start and finish, and then there will be a group link again later, okay? So that's how it works. I hope that you're interested enough to consider registering. Our registration is ta table is open in the hallway tonight. Just go out there, look to the right, and right over there is a group link table, and you can register tonight. You can register online. You can wait till the 28th and register. It's kind of late, but the 28th is the event. Don't register at the event. We need to prepare for you. And um, try it and see if it's for you.